And so we're in the middle of a really exciting journey, having been a worship pastor for many years, suddenly uh, having all those other pressures uh, involved in a Sunday. So this is a really uh, pertinent question of what we're trying to see happen on a Sunday. And uh, one of the things I've also always experienced attending church regularly for many years is that Sundays can often be very weird. Strange things happen in the context of church, because often church can attract strange people, can't they? I I remember... um, I was leading worship at this church in central London, one of the poshest parts of London. And it was in October. Unlike here, it's cold, wet, grey, miserable in October. And it was a 9.30 a.m. gathering service. You know, who has church at 9.30? I know you have it at 9 a.m., but in England, 9.30 is really early. So I'm leading worship thinking, this is just brutal. And uh, it's first song, singing away, and I noticed from the back, down through the sort of center of the aisle, this man walking to the front, and he's got a white shirt, and he's got chino jeans, he's not wearing any socks or shoes, and he's got a white towel wrapped around his waist. I'm like, okay, this is strange, you know, I've not, not seen this kind of fashion uh, being presented in London. I was like, okay, maybe in a year's time, this is what we're all going to be wearing, you know, white towels, no socks and shoes. And uh, so I clock him. You know, I'm I'm meant to be thinking about Jesus, but I'm watching this guy, you know, and uh, he's passionately singing away and everyone's worshipping. And then I notice, just so casual, so normal, he begins to unbutton his shirt. And before I know it, he is completely topless, you know, and he's a big, hairy guy, you know, proof of evolution right here in front of me. And and, and I'm, I'm like looking around at the church leaders thinking, you know, hello, topless man, front of church. But people have either got their eyes closed or they're looking up at the words on a screen. And I'm thinking, this is, this is very strange. You know, generally, wherever I go and lead worship around the world, people keep their clothes on whilst I'm leading worship. And, and then it got really nasty. He began to unbuckle his belt. The towel came off and the chinos were about to come off. And at this point, I thought, I can't face what I think I'm about to see at 9.30 a.m. in the morning. So I suddenly run to the side of the stage and I'm screaming to the leaders who are sat at the side, Help! There's a man getting naked in church! Suddenly, they all wake up and they rush over to him. And the one thing we do brilliantly in Britain is uh, politeness. And I could see them, oh, hello, you know, nice to see you. She would go out the back, we could have a cup of tea, and we could talk about worship and nakedness. And uh, he's not moving. And so he's trying to pull his trousers down. Everyone else is trying to pull his trousers up. And in the end, it takes about 10 men to carry him out of the church, him kicking and screaming. And I'm just singing there, Lord, reign in me, reign in your power. And the truth is, the truth is, often, if you're involved leading churches, leading worship, the regular routine of a Sunday gathering that comes around every week, we can get so stuck in a routine and we forget, what are we trying to see happen here? And we've been brilliantly reminded about uh, the big picture, the big story, we're a part of the power of praise and the wonderful things that happen as we encounter God at the table. But I want to briefly share a couple of thoughts around what are we trying to build? Are we trying to build an experience or are we ultimately trying to create space for an encounter? For an encounter. And I was thinking, um, I love the story uh, where Solomon and the people of Israel gather together and they're going to dedicate the Lord's 
temple. This temple that was David's vision and idea to have a house, to house the presence of God. And uh, Solomon is the one who gets to outwork this vision. And this moment comes where this temple has been built. Huge uh, finances, resources, the best architecture, uh, the best design and craftsmanship goes into this extravagant building fit to house the Lord Almighty. And uh, they get the best worship. You know, the most extravagant worship team you could imagine. You know, 120 priests playing trumpets, cymbals, lyres, harps, multitudes of singers. And I just think, what must it have been like for the people of Israel gathering together, seeing this moment, this opening of the doors of the temple and this incredible sound being raised up to the heavens, this wonderful celebration. And as they're singing, he is good and his love endures forever suddenly. The glory of the Lord fills the temple in the form of a cloud. The priests, the musicians, the Levites are overwhelmed. They fall face down. No one knows what to do next. No one can carry on because the presence of God is so profound and so thick. Now, I often wonder, what would those Israelites watching all of this have remembered from that historic day? Would they have remembered that first moment they saw the temple in all its glory? Maybe. Would it be that majestic music, unlike anything they'd have ever heard before? Perhaps. But I think more than anything, they'd have carried to their dying day that moment when they encountered God's glory. And no one knew what to do next. There was nothing appropriate, no kind of words that could fully articulate the wow. Of what we have just seen. Their lives were forever marked. Not by an experience of music and aesthetics. But by an encounter with God. That changed them forever. You know one of the things that's encouraging and amazing in many ways. Is all over the world we see more and more. Phenomenal uh, increases in production and creativity and lights and the use of visuals and media to try and communicate uh, truth, to communicate the good news. And I'm often in church settings where I'm just inspired by what I see, the excellence and the creativity. But if I'm honest, I don't feel I'm often at churches where I'm just overwhelmed by the power of God, the power of His Spirit and His presence at work. And friend uh, said to me the other day, really stuck with me, he said, I fear that in the church we have an over-fascination with production and an under-fascination with the presence of God. Uh, I want to show you a picture. And uh, it's a picture of a bridge. Hopefully it will come up on the screen. And uh, this bridge was built, uh, a huge amount of design, uh, civil engineering. And a bridge, obviously, is so that people can move from one side of the river or a road to get to the other side. But you see, what has happened, they've built this thing at great expense, but the river has moved. And what you're ultimately left with is a man-made lump of concrete that is completely redundant and useless. But the tragedy could be in our churches, if we hold things so tightly, if we try and make everything happen on our own efforts, our own strength, our own creativity, we build these cathedrals as it were, 
but the river of God has moved. And what we're left with is ultimately redundant and useless. More than anything, we need to be a people who jump in the river of God and allow His Spirit to lead us, to have an element of flexibility, of openness. Again, the one thing that I see in the life of Jesus is He was so ready to allow His life to be interrupted. By what God was doing, what his father was doing, by the way people were moving and interacting with him. And if I'm really honest, I hope this doesn't offend. I sometimes worry when every church seems to have this by the minute running order and there's no space for the interruption of the Holy Spirit. There's no faith or expectation that God could intervene, that God could begin to speak, that God could begin to bring revelation that begins to change everything that we've planned. Now, I'm not saying let's forget planning and being thoughtful and creative and inspired, but let's hold it lightly. And I think one of the challenges is we like to control things. We feel safe. We feel comfortable when we control things. Again, I think sometimes I've heard, you know, we want to make our gatherings accessible to those who are unchurched. And if weird things happen, it can be deeply off-putting. Now, there's obviously a lot of uh, sensible thought in that. But what I've seen in a lot of young people is a spiritual hunger and thirst. They're not looking for a great moment of entertainment. They can go watch Bieber or Coldplay or Adele for that. Uh, What they're looking for is something real and authentic. And it's the Spirit of God leading people to the person of Jesus Christ who says, come, be welcomed into the arms of a heavenly Father, the perichoresis, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this life-giving unity of love and relationship that scoops us in and changes us forever. And we're not going to be able to make it happen in our own efforts and our own strength. We've got to learn to be Spirit-led in the way we lead. We've got to learn to take risks and step out. Two quick stories before I end. One, uh, recently, we had uh, this young guy called Sharif, who's a a Muslim, who came to one of our services. And um, I'd met him beforehand, and it was a big deal that he was going to be there. Uh, A student friend of his had brought him along. And so during the service, you know, I'm uh, aware that he's there. So you're suddenly filtering everything that's going on through the eyes of what's he going to think. And during the worship... This moment begins to happen where people begin to sing spontaneously and people begin to sing in tongues. And I'm like, oh no, of all the sessions for this to happen, this is, that's it, you know, gone, he'll walk out, I think we're crazy, game over. I was really embarrassed, but I just had to let it go. And uh, afterwards, his friend came up to me and said, do you know what Sharif said? In that moment where everyone was singing in tongues, he began to experience something. He, he felt an elation and a joy that he never, ever felt before. It began for him a journey to, to find out more about who this Jesus was. And literally a month later, he stood up at our church and said, I want to testify that I believe and I follow the name of Jesus Christ. We've got to trust that God knows best. We've got to allow him space. Final story. I remember a defining moment for me in terms of leading worship was I was leading worship at this youth conference. There's about 1,000 young people. 
and it, it was the end of the evening and um, I was looking forward to sort of finishing leading so I could go home and rest and if I'm honest um, and uh, so it came to the end of the worship time I was about to close it all down in prayer and a pastor I work with a guy called Mike Pilavachi he came up and he, he just said let's just wait for a moment so we began to wait bit of space is a little bit awkward, is a bit uncomfortable. You know, what's going to happen? There was no Holy Spirit pad with the keyboards trying to fill out that moment. It was just mess, which is the reality of life, isn't it? It was a bit awkward. And then from the back, someone began to sing this refrain, praise the Lord, oh my soul, praise the Lord. And the band, we began to pick up on it. And the band, we began to play it. And it got louder and louder and louder. And then we sort of did a big ending of the song, but everyone carried on. I was a little bit offended. I was like, do you not know that when the worship leader stops, you stop. But they just kept singing and singing and singing. And in the end, the worship team, we thought, well, we're kind of not needed here now. So we all actually, we left the stage. There was no one on the stage. There was no one uh, organizing it, conducting it, leading it. For another 45 minutes, we just followed the Holy Spirit together. What would happen is, after a while, someone would begin to sing another song, and people would join in. Then there was a moment of uh, people singing out their own melodies and singing the Spirit, and then this noise got louder and louder, and then people were cheering and celebrating, uh, shouting out praise, and then there was a moment of silence. No one said a word, no one moved. It was just holy, hushed awe. And then another song began, and it was just a phenomenal um, time. The, the easy, the best led time of worship I've ever, ever, ever been involved in. And I had nothing to do with it. It's a little bit disappointing. Um, but then I remember at the end, past the, uh, this guy I worked with, Mike Pilavachi, said, if you want to give your life to Christ, come to the front. Scores of teenagers came to the front. They gave their life to Jesus. Why? Because they encountered something of God's presence. Let's not miss out on all that God can do because we're working so hard to create an experience where God is saying, rest, chill out, let go, and let me do it.